making the work that you're going to be doing in this new role, if you got it, the focus of your portfolio is super important. And if you don't have any of that work yet, then it's a good idea to choose projects that you can see have some sort of connection. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Charlie. And I'm Femke. And today we're going to be talking about applying for a job. And if you haven't yet listened to episode 90, then I'd recommend going back and listening to that episode in which we talk about the job hunt and how to sort of narrow down your options and places that you want to apply for a new job. And today we're going to talk about applying for a job. And this is part of a sort of... I guess informal mini-series, is that kind of what we're calling it, Charlie? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) uh, Getting a new job, basically. So I recently started a new job, and so we thought that, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about when it comes to the job application process. So today, we'll talk about applying for a job, and... For the context of this episode, let's just say you've already done the job hunt, so go back and listen to episode 90, and now you've narrowed it down to a select few companies that you want to apply at, so it's time to prepare your application. So that's what we're going to talk about today, about how to create and apply, and make sure you have a really good, solid application. But Charlie, how are you going? You're about to head off to the States. You must be excited, but also overwhelmed with getting things done before you go. Yes, always. There's always, you know what I find? I don't know why this is, and I should probably travel more often, but whenever I go away, there's always an order that comes into my store that I need to fill before I go. (laughs) I don't know how this happens. Because then I'm like hoping that Amazon turns up with a blank t-shirt on time and then go print it and like iron it, take it to the post office. It always happens. So yeah, maybe if I traveled more, I would get more orders in my online store. (laughs) That's so weird. I wonder why that happens. I don't know, but it's probably just a thing that I've noticed happening because that's when I have the most stress to actually fill the order, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Got it. (laughs) But yeah, I've got to print a couple of posters and a t-shirt today and do a bunch of other things, of course, and pack, probably. Check into my flight would be a good idea before I take off tomorrow. How about you, though? How's how's life without this looming travel? <laughs> yeah, life is good. I'm not doing that much travel at the moment. I don't think I really have any trips planned yet for the rest of the year, though it could be nice to do something. But I'm doing pretty good. I'm still sort of in the phase of figuring out my new sort of morning routine now that I mm. have a new place of work and figuring out how much time I have to give myself in the morning to get ready and how much time I can dedicate to doing side projects. And so it's still sort of this trial and error phase at the moment of, you know, making sure that I obviously prioritize my job and how I can sort of structure my side project things around that. So yeah, a bit of a trial and error phase at the moment and still saying no to things and not really taking on anything new at the moment. It's smart. It is a total life adjustment, you know, to be going from working from home and being in control of your time to then working in an office where other people expect you to be there at certain times, yeah, you know? It's it's very, very different. There's something yeah. that I am doing, which I guess by the time this episode comes out, maybe I will have done it already. I'm not sure. But I am going to be speaking at a conference uh, at the end of August. So it is the Laracon conference, which is nicely uh, held here in Amsterdam. So very, very close to home for me. And so, yeah, at the time of recording this, I have not written my presentation. So that is probably going to be the the biggest priority thing for me side project wise over the next couple of weeks is to 
do my presentation and and present that. I think it's on the 27th or 28th of August, so it's not that far away. So I really need to get onto that pretty soon. Can you give us a general like topic? What what's it going to be about? Yes, I'm. I still have to come up with a title and like a summarized. Uh, description of it but I'm planning to talk about like self-help for the creative professional cool that fits perfectly with your content yes I think so it's just going to be like a a nice summary uh and hopefully a sort of quick fire uh you know heated uh, presentation about some of the stuff that I've talked about previously on this podcast and also in my articles so yeah, I, I have a lot of content already that I've produced that I think I can pull from to create this presentation. Uh, and also I'm, I'm hoping to do a little bit of research as well and bring in some things that I've learned or read in books or, or online that I can incorporate into the presentation. So yeah, hopefully it'll be a good one. Yeah, we'll see. I wish that I was going to be there to see it, to be honest. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be recorded. Excellent. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but if it is, I will share it with you so you can watch it. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's move on to today's topic, applying for a job. You, you've been through this really recently, this applying for a job process. What would you say is the hardest part of applying for a job? I think the hardest part is just persevering and mm. like being confident in yourself and believing in yourself that you can do it throughout the process because I think we can easily get very discouraged as soon as we hear a no or maybe some negative feedback about our application. You know, it it can be really hard and applying for a job is a full-time job in a way. You know, it, it requires a lot of your time and attention and it's something that is obviously very important and you want to get it right and you want to put your best foot forward, right? Like you want to create a good impression and have a really stellar application. And if you already have a job, that becomes a challenge, that that becomes quite difficult. And so in, in that process as well, you can easily get really stressed out and start second guessing yourself and struggle to find the time to really dedicate to applying for a job. And all of those feelings, you know, it, it sort of becomes this emotional whirlpool. And so it can be really, really challenging to actually stay positive throughout this process. So I think that for me is probably the most challenging part is just maintaining positivity that, that you can do it because the process can be quite taxing. Oh my gosh, there are so many things of what you just said that I want to dive into that I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> I know it's a lot. Yeah, but it, this is the thing. It, it is a, it's a big change in your life that you're making when you apply for a new job. And, you know, you want so badly to be in this new place, but you've got to treat every application like it's fresh because otherwise people will see straight through, you know, a copy and pasted bullcrap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is difficult. Actually, something in what you said was repeated by one of our community members, Ashley, when we asked if anyone had any questions about applying for jobs. And Ashley said, I'm looking for advice on time management and efficiency during the job hunt while you already have a full-time job. I don't want to quit until I have something else lined up first and says that current job takes up like 11 to 12 hours of my day, but I'm finding it difficult and exhausting to juggle everything. Fair enough. 
Um, actually ends by saying job hunting is like a job in and of itself. Does anyone else feel this way? So yes, yes, I yes. believe what you're saying is it does. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's, it's really, I can understand it becomes really difficult because you want to continue performing and excelling at your current job. You know, you don't want to start mysterious, mis- mysteriously, is that the right word? Yeah. Mysteriously disappearing from the office oh, right. for yeah, yeah. <laughs> hours on end. And people are like, where did she go? And you know, you, you don't want it to interfere with your current job, right? But at the same time, you have to make some kind of, some decisions somewhere about how you're going to handle and manage having this current job and also applying for a new one because applying for a new one is going to take up time. And I'm pretty confident, like I'd say a very high percentage, there's a very high percentage chance that some of that time that you're going to have to dedicate to applying for a new job is going to be taken out of the time that you currently spend at your current mm-hmm. job, whether that's like going to an interview during the day or having a phone call with a recruiter during the day or at lunchtime. So it does take a bit of juggling there. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, it's important. And hopefully the job application process, you know, if you're already working somewhere, that means you're you're having experience at the moment, right? So that's putting you in a right. good position to apply for somewhere. Hopefully this won't last too long. So... I mean, it's not good advice, but really you do just have to like deal with it for a, a month or two, a couple of months, hopefully tops, uh, you know, all things going well, touch wood, whatever the, you know, mm-hmm, uh, phrase mm-hmm. is. But you just have to do it for that time and know that the time and effort you're putting in is going to be worth it in the future when you have this better job that you've been hoping for. Because obviously you're wanting to leave your current one for a reason. So this is not great advice, but I think it's okay to like mentally check out a little bit from your current job when you're hunting for a new one. Like, obviously you don't want your quality of your work to go down or for that to be noticeable, but you've got to put yourself first. And if the situation that you're in isn't right for you and you need something new, then you've got to make it work and you've got to figure out how best to juggle that. Yeah, I think you've kind of got two options or two ways to approach it. So let's say you have a list of companies that you want to apply for, which we've talked about in episode 90. So you've got this list and you know you can either apply for all of them at once or you can space it out. So let's say your list is listed in sort of priority order or you know your favorite one is at the top and your least yep. one is at the bottom. You could either apply for all of them or you could start just at the top with the one you want the most and just submit your application to there and see how it goes. If it goes well, then fantastic. If it doesn't go well, you move on to the next one. And I don't know which way is better. I think there's pros and cons of each and you might see the pros and cons differently. So for example, I applied to multiple at one time and the pro for me in that was I just got it all done at one time. I had all the stress in like a short amount of time. Uh, but you might see the pro for the other way of applying one by one is that you can spread that out over time. And yes, that does take longer, but perhaps it means that you can manage your stress levels a little bit more and, and dedicate more time and focus to each application as you go. Yeah, I like this advice. This sounds really smart. It's not what I've done before, really. Or I suppose I have. Okay, I should confess something that when when I've applied for jobs, no, okay, no, it's when I've interviewed for jobs. I've gotten every single job that I've interviewed for, apart from one, when Mm -hmm. I had a trial at McDonald's when I was like 18. (laughs) You obviously weren't made for flipping burgers, Charlie. No, but apparently I am good at job interviews, 
But I think it's because I've been very, very selective with the places that I apply it. Mm. And I do I don't do the like spray and pay where you just like apply every single place and like hope that someone gets back to you. I've mm-hmm. always been very selective with who I apply to and I think that's helped me tailor the application as well and also helped with the stress levels that's a really good point the less you're applying to the less you have to manage and like keep up to date with about where this application is at if this person's getting back to you which the heck company are they from like from the hundreds that you've applied to I think it's smart to really be selective with who you apply to because it is obvious when someone is just doing uh you know generic I'm applying to this because it said design in the title you know? Yeah. Steve also had some advice on this, which I want to share. And he said that he won't commit to more than two meetings per week. Sometimes I'll take an entire week off, which does mean that it's an incredibly slow process. But, you know, you, you give yourself the time and, and the space in the breathing room. And he also said that if I'm applying for jobs that are led by recruiters, I'll put in minimum effort and arrange phone calls Uh, during dinner or during like breaks at work Um, and he also said that when arranging calls uh, try and try and get yourself in the position where you make the phone call because often recruiters are always 10 to 15 minutes late when calling you and if you've put aside this time especially at work like you've you've dipped out you know for 10 minutes because you're expecting this phone call and you're waiting and waiting you know that that's obviously not the best position to be in so he sort of recommended that you be in control of making the phone call which I guess gives you a little bit more control over over your time and how you you know manage that when you have a current job. What I like about that too is that you can show how like prompt you are when you call right on the hour. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Extra bonus points for you showing that you're super organized. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about more about submitting the application itself and like what should go into it. With design jobs, it's normally a CV, a cover letter or like an email of some sort. It doesn't have to be like an official PDF you attach or whatever. And your portfolio obviously is super important. I would say those are the main three things. Did you encounter anything else when you were applying for uh no those were like the main three things that I really focused on yeah so the first thing the CV um who was it mentioned it in the chat I think it was Taryn who's who was talking about the fact that yeah it was Taryn she highly recommends designing your cover letter and resume template yourself CV and resume are the same thing by the way in case any Americans are confused I think you call them different things there but Yes, if you're applying for a design job, of course you should use your design and layout techniques on your CV and like making a nice letterhead or whatever. It's so weird to me to get an application for a designer that's just like a Word doc, like not even a PDF exported from Word, but a Word doc. Has that happened to you? Yes, that has happened to me. Really? Yes. And I'm like, and what I assume is this? You just, yeah, I assume you just like put it in the no pile instantly. Well, I mean, I did give it a read because I like to give people a chance, but I, sure. you know, it didn't give me any faith in them whatsoever. I'm like, okay, you can't even design it your own CV. I think that for some, like, it's not always the designer's fault. Some recruitment companies require you to submit a Word doc mm, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. because then they can run it through their, like, system thing that like checks you against your qualities for the job but we talked about job hunting how I don't like to apply for jobs through recruiters really because generally I find they're not the best types of jobs for me and so this is like one of the reasons why is because they're not like it's all a systematic process you know a real person isn't looking at your CV until a lot later and then of course they're not going to be impressed by the word doc (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I think, I mean, especially if you're applying for a designer role, have a well-designed CV. It's like 101, right? Like I think it goes without saying because it's an opportunity for you to show your design skills and, and sort of, you know, show off a little bit and put something together that's unique and, you know, maybe you have a bit of a personal brand already. Like use that to your advantage. I think any sort of uh, opportunity or touch point that you have with whether that's the recruiter or, or the company or whatever, you know, make sure that you provide them with a great experience and a good impression of you. And especially if you're applying for a design role, take that opportunity to show your design skills at any point in the process possible. Another thing I'll say about CVs, like a, a mistake, I suppose, that I've seen often when I've been involved in the recruitment process is CVs that are just far too long and CVs that have paragraphs on paragraphs of text. Mm. Of course, you want to make sure you cram in all of your like value points and like things you've achieved as possible because you want to put yourself in the best light. But you have to remember that people who are looking at CVs are looking at like hundreds usually. They have to go through and they have to make quick decisions because they cannot sit there and read every single word on a CV and then consider, hmm, should we follow up this person for more? To start with, it is an initial skim to make sure that they've had some relevant experience, you know, whatever their education level is like, if that's relevant for the job, that's what happens on the first round. And so if you make that information hard to find, then you're not doing yourself any favors. I think personally that a CV should only be one page long. That's how long my CV is. I've had several different jobs in the design industry. I've been doing this for over six years now. I think I worked out the other day and my CV is only a page long. So if I can fit that experience onto a page, I'm sure that you can. I don't know. What do you think about that, Fem? Yeah, I definitely agree with the one page thing. I too will will try and keep it. I think I've always kept it one page when applying for design roles. In the past, hmm. like when I was like 17, I had like five pages or something ridiculous. <laughs> Which is hilarious because you obviously had less experience back then. I know, but I think I listed like all of my high school yep, achievements, yep. you know. like I remember doing that too, don't worry. Yeah, um, so I, I agree. I think try and keep it to one page and you, you just want to give them enough info that makes you interesting and shows that you have enough experience because once, you know, that helps you get your foot in the door and then once you have your foot in the door, you can you can uh, communicate all of your other experience too. So, you know, one page might sound really difficult if maybe you've had 10 previous jobs. uh, And my advice there would be don't put all 10 jobs on there. Like maybe just choose the most, uh, you know, relevant or recent ones. You know, often they sort of like, I think recruiters like to see sort of chronologically, like, Mm. you know, if you've got a five-year gap, then sometimes that sends red flags so maybe just show the most either the most recent ones or the ones that you think are most relevant to the role that you're applying for I I think what I'm just trying to trying to say is make sure that you show that you're interesting and that you have enough experience and I think you don't need to communicate every single thing on there I think that can be discussed when you get to the the interview phase Yeah, so you could list all 10 of those jobs, but perhaps for only the last three is where you put bullet points of your main responsibilities and what you achieved during them. And that's another thing too, is bullet points are key on CVs because if you find yourself needing to write a paragraph, then you're probably going into too much detail. Like challenge yourself to see how how concise you can be with with what you do. Uh, You know, when I'm making my bullet points on a CV, I just talk about some main 
my main role, like what my main responsibility is. So it's like designing materials for the marketing website and uh, any branded collateral. Done. That's the explanation of my job. And then perhaps mm-hmm. a few things that I achieve there, like uh, finalists for the best awards or whatever. Yeah. Um, worked on projects across teams and coordinated a couple of little things like that just to show that, yeah, show your strengths. But I didn't need to write out paragraphs explaining my life story at the job. Yeah. What about the cover letter? Do you have any advice on that? Because I know that, you know, every time you apply for a job, uh, if you're you're listening, my advice would be every time you apply for something, you want to write a fresh Mm -hmm. cover letter, right? You want the cover letter to be tailored for not only that company, but the role that you're applying for. And so it it does require a little bit of effort and personalization. You don't want to be blasting off the same cover letter to multiple places because it's an opportunity for you to write something unique and show that you've put the effort into this application. So I don't know, do you have any advice or, or anything you've done in the past that you've found has been quite successful for you when it's come to writing cover letters? Yeah, I think so. So I think that the purpose of the cover letter and the CV are different, but often people confuse them and try and fit all of their experience into their cover letter as well, when really that's what the CV is for. So they spend the whole cover letter talking about their past experience, but then like what is the purpose of that if the cv is already doing it so i think the purpose of a cover letter is to show why you're a fit for that company in particular and that's why it's important to tailor it so much so yes i do mention past experience but i call out specific things that are relevant to the job i'm applying for right so for example when i applied at edited which was the last uh, software company i worked at i specifically talked about my work at zero which was the current job i was in at the time of applying because I was in the same role there as I was applying for at Edited. And so I talked about, you know, some things I'd learned there from being at Zero and why I thought that would be useful at Edited. But I also talked about the company itself and why I was particularly drawn to applying for it. And that was because they dealt with fashion technology. So I talked about the fact that I had a blog and I liked fashion and I have this obsession with data and the shapes that it makes. And so I thought they were doing something really cool. It doesn't hurt to flatter them a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I did the same when I was applying is I would take a take a moment to explain why I was interested in working at their company for them. And like you said, that that might be highlighting a cool project that they've done that you've seen, or maybe it's the nature of the industry that they're in. And maybe you have a personal interest towards that because of this thing you did or whatever. So I, I agree. I think it's about making it uh personal and tailored to the company and also the role as well. I also took a moment to talk about why I think I'd be a good fit for the role and the relevant uh, experiences or skills that I had that weren't necessarily on my CV. Uh, So it wasn't necessarily things from past jobs, but I I took a moment to talk about skills I've learned outside of jobs and how that could contribute to the role. I think the CV is a, sorry, the cover letter is a good place to talk about that as well. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts on length of cover letters? Because I've seen some that are a full like page novel, like width to width, edge to edge. Uh, Mine in the past have been like, very thin on the page, like half a page worth of widthness. That was really weird to say. Um, And only like a third of the page. So they're usually only like three paragraphs rather than a full novel. Yeah. I think that short is good because again, people who are going through the recruitment process don't have time to read your whole life story. And if you make it too long, Mm. they could be skimming and miss 
something really important and valuable that you've said in the cover letter. So challenge yourself to be concise. It, it puts you in a good light as well that you can distill information like this and be concise with your communications. That's just obviously a good skill to have. So if they see that in your cover letter, that's important. Obviously, you're not just going to write one sentence and think that that does it all. But yeah, just ask yourself how much you really need to write in this and challenge yourself with it. Yeah, that's my advice. Have you ever created a sort of alternative application for a job? For example, like I know I've, I've seen amazing ones online of people applying for crazy, you know, cr- maybe creative agency jobs or something. And they'll, I don't know, do something a bit different. Like maybe they'll make a website or make a physical thing and send it to the, to the company. Have you ever done something like that? I haven't, but I've seen it work for other people in the past. Actually, that's how Dylan, the other designer that I work with at ConvertKit, got his job here is that he recreated the ConvertKit website, like redesigned it, was like, I think that we should, you should be doing this. And then Nathan sort of was like, cool, yeah, let's hire you and let's do it. <laughs> so that's <laughs> I really distilled work. that process, but I think it does work. If you have the skills and, ex- and experience or whatever that they need to back it up, of course, but anything that helps your application stand out is definitely going to be a help. And I think, honestly, just making a concise CV and cover letter already helps your application stand out because so many people yes. you know, write novels. But doing something extra and cool, I mean, especially if it's a place that you're really excited about, if you make something custom for them, that is just going to show your passion, right? And that's what I wanted to say about the cover letter, actually, before, but I forgot. The reason that you talk about the company in it is that if – if you've got two people who are of fairly equal skill and experience, you know, they could both be great for the job, but one of them seems super passionate about working there and is like already on board with your company message. And the other one has just did a generic, you can tell they did a copy and paste, you know, replace this company for this one and we'll just send the cover letter off. Of course you're going to hire the passionate one, right? It seems obvious. Yeah. So, I mean... Passion is hard to fake. So if you are in a situation where you're just having to apply for anything and everything that's available, I would encourage you to take the time to research the company and find something that you really like about it that you could mention because it will help. You don't have to be fake and go overboard and be like, you're my favorite company in the world. (laughs) But at least mentioning something that you admire that they've done will show that you've done your research. And yeah, I think creating something unique, like you said, can really help with that too. Yeah, one thing I would mention about creating something unique is that if the time and and energy and pressure of creating that unique thing is too much, then just let it go. Don't do it. Uh, I, in the past, a few years ago, wanted to apply for a job at, I I can't remember, I think it was a creative agency maybe. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to like make uh, this like package that I'm going to physically send to them. And inside it's going to have, you know, a physical printout of everything and, and my business card and maybe like a mug, you know, like I really wanted to make something Mm. super creative. And I sort of started doing that and realized it was so much effort and going to take me so much time. I, A, never got around to finishing it and B, never applied. So oh, <laughs> I would just I would just say like with caution uh, that if you want to do something unique and different and cool, then that's awesome. If you have the time and resources and energy dedicated to it, then go for it. But if you get to the point where it's actually stopping you and holding you back from applying, then just let it go, I think, and just focus on what you can do, uh, which should hopefully at least be having a cover letter and a CV. 
one of our community members created something special that she uses at, in job interviews, I think. Uh, that was This was Elsa. She's created this cool little self-promotion set, which is like this nicely designed milk carton that has her CV in it, which I thought was really cute. Perhaps we should link it in the show notes as mm-hmm. an example of this kind of special thing you're talking about. But she said that it really helps her because she's quite shy and introverted. And so this cool little object helps break the ice and show her personality a bit more in interviews, which I thought was really smart. Yeah, that is really cool because then it gives you something to talk about. They'll be like, oh, well, we really liked this thing you designed. How did you yeah. come up with that? So, it's like you're bringing a talking point along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's awesome. Good for her. What about the portfolio? I, I mean, we don't want to go into this too much because we have done a whole episode about preparing your portfolio. And I can't remember for the life of me what number it was, Fem. Can you? No, but there's 92 numbers to guess from. So what one do you want to guess? I think it's somewhere in the 50s. <laughs> How about if you head to designlife.fm slash episode 92, then it'll be linked to the show notes there. So, yep, let's say that. But your portfolio should be tailored to the job you're applying for. I wouldn't currently apply for a, what shall I say, an illustration role. If I wanted to go for an illustration role for some reason, I wouldn't use my current portfolio, which is full of either print work or web designs because it's not incredibly relevant. I might pull out certain parts of those projects where I'd use illustration techniques and highlight them so that I can still talk about the project or whatever, but yeah, make illustration the focus. But making the work that you're going to be doing in this new role, if you got it, the focus of your portfolio is super important. And if you don't have any of that work yet, then it's a good idea to choose projects that you can see have some sort of connection. So for example... When I applied for my first web design role, I didn't have that many websites in my portfolio. I think I had one, in fact. And then the other one that I used as an example was the portfolio website itself. So, but I used some brochures that I'd done that had some quite like loads of information to distill and lay out work. I put that in there because it was like an example of dealing with a lot of information and with the client, you know, some mm-hmm. pretty boring content and how to pr- present it in an interesting way. So, you know, you don't have to have the exact work in there, but tailor it as much as you can. Yeah, I, I agree with that. When I was applying for these product design roles recently, I I don't have that much product design experience previously. I'd done a couple of freelance projects that required some product design. And so I made sure to really highlight those in my portfolio and kind of make those the focus and talking points. And, you know, for a couple of the interviews I did, and I I think we'll talk about interviewing in another episode, but I had to do a portfolio presentation. And so I really took that opportunity to highlight the pieces of work that related to the role that I was applying for. So, yeah, I, I think definitely take into consideration consideration what type of work you have that could really show your experience and skill set relating to the role that you're applying for. And I'd, I'd also just add that, I mean, for me, I've, I've mostly been applying for, for digital roles. That's, that's sort of my area of expertise. And so my portfolio was a website, mm. uh, but you, yours could be a, a actual physical printout. So I, I don't know. I think it depends what kind of role you're applying for and what they require as well. Sometimes they actually do require you to send something in. Uh, so just keep that into consideration as well and make sure you read the uh, requirements of the application. Good advice. We actually had some questions about this concept of applying for a role that's different from the one you're currently doing. And I guess that's because 
you might not have as much work in your portfolio for it. But Zach said he would like some guidance about applying for a role different from your current one. For example, a visual designer applying for a product design role. How can I position my current skills to the recruiter so that they support my ability to do different work? Mm. I think it is about highlighting how those skills translate and how what you've learned there can you know help with the new thing. When I was making the switch from print to web, I talked a lot about how because I have a basis in print design, I had a really strong focus on typography and layout. And so I think that applying that to web, it, the same principles are relevant. And so I was excited to bring that skill over to web design because not every web designer had a really strong focus on that because you're more focused about the UI or whatever. And so that was my pitch anyway, and it, it seemed to work because I got the job. <laughs> yeah, nice. So I, I think that's that's good advice. And I think also think about some of the skills you have that maybe necessarily aren't related to design, like just human skills yeah. like, and how that could actually be a valuable asset and how you could bring that to the role as well. So, you know, I personally talked about like uh, that I enjoy public speaking and things like that. And you know, they saw that as an asset. And totally. so it's it's not just uh, your design skill. I mean, obviously that's probably going to be what's most important, but if you have other skills that you think could contribute to the role, then make sure, like I'd, I'd recommend making sure that you really highlight those as well. And that could be listed on your CV. Maybe you have a little skills section or something, or it could be communicated in your cover letter. Also, I, I think of it more, it's kind of like how I hear Americans talk about applying for colleges. They've got to have all these extracurriculars. Right, yeah. <laughs> extracurricular things can help with jobs too. Like the fact that I talk about design on YouTube, the fact that I have a clothing company, that was one of the main ways I think I got my first in on my first design job because I was like, yeah, I'm designing for myself. I just love it so much. You know, I'm making these designs, mm -hmm. selling them around the world. I mean, that sounded pretty good to the employer, right? And I wasn't lying. It was true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's awesome is if you have these you know, extracurricular things or skills, then I would definitely highlight those as well, especially if you are applying for a role that's different from what you're currently doing, uh, because those skills can, can be of an asset as well. I want to end on, well, I was going to say a positive note, but I think it's going to be a downer note before we get to the positive, but stick with us. So we talked about at the start and you, you did when, during your application process that applying for jobs can be really soul crushing, you know, applying to places, not hearing back or hearing back that you don't have the right experience. And then you have to like pick yourself up and just apply for another job anyway, because this is what you want and you need to be working in this industry that you want to be in. You know, it can be hard to keep your spirits up throughout all of that. And this is what a few people in our community have been struggling with. And I'm sure many people out in the world as well. But something that Lauren said is that she's finding it hard going after jobs and not hearing back or hearing back and then going to interviews and being told that she didn't get the job because it doesn't have enough experience or they went with someone else. It's just exhausting. She said, I try to keep myself busy with different placements, placements, placements and, and doing freelance <laughs> work and continuing to build my own in the creative blogger community presences. But she feels like she's constantly juggling everything around while also having a part-time job. I feel like this is like you reach job burnout almost, right? Like when yeah. you start out, you're all excited to apply and be like, yay, cool, we're going to find a new job. This is going to be great. I'm going to be working in this industry or this company that I want. And when it gets tough, it is hard to keep your spirits up. 
do you have any advice for sticking through this process and like keeping going and with the grind because the hard thing about job applications and I think we talked about this when you were going through yours is that you don't know when it will end you know it's not Mm -hmm. like you can say it's okay I only have to put up with this for a month because you don't know like you hope that's how long it'll be but yeah how do you keep your spirits up and keep pushing through this it is really really hard and it is something that I struggled with as well personally going through the process of just be like trying to say trying to stay motivated and yeah. positive and especially the fact that you don't know when it's going to end like you, you think there's a light at the tunnel but you still don't really know how far away it is that can be really really difficult as well because you don't know how much longer you're going to have to keep putting in this effort and this motivation and like I definitely had days you know during applying where I just was exhausted and I just felt so discouraged and you know, it it can feel really, really terrible and you don't know how much more effort you should be putting in, if you should even bother to continue trying, especially, you know, if you're in a position where you are receiving no's or, you know, maybe it's not going so well. It can be really, really hard. And I think my advice for Lauren specifically after hearing her story is that she needs to start saying no to things. Uh, It sounds like she has a lot on her plate at the moment. And so I think she's juggling a little bit too much. And my advice to her would be to focus on on her job applications. And that's what I did too, is is I realized that I was still taking on too much at the time and still applying for jobs and still having a full-time job. And I needed to make space in my life to really focus on my job applications because to me, to me and, and I'm sure Lauren probably feels the same, but, you know, my career and my future and the work that I do day to day, day to day is you know, a priority for me when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so I made the decision that that's what I really needed to prioritize. And that's what had to come first. And other things like, you know, small side project tasks that I wanted to do or dinner with friends, uh, I just needed to say no to those and enter this phase of being dedicated and committed to applying for these new jobs. And once I, once I sort of accepted that and started saying no to other things, so I could create this space, uh, you know, mentally and physically to focus on applying for jobs that really helped for me because I could just dedicate more time on it and, Thus, you know, when you have more time to dedicate on it, I think that helps you build a bit of confidence and it helps you, well, it gives you more time to prepare so you can create a better application. You can feel more confident when you go to your interviews. You know, the more focus and time and energy that, that you put to something, you know, the, the the better the outcome is going to be, I think. So, yeah, that was a really long-winded way of, of just saying to Lauren that I think she's doing too much and feeling overwhelmed and also feeling discouraged because she keeps getting no's. And so my advice would just be to to focus more on your job application so you can create a really good application and you can be focused and present uh, in your applications and when you're there interviewing. Yeah, it's almost like we've been saying that applying for jobs is like the same amount of work as another job. So maybe treat it as one or at least treat it as a side project where Mm. that is your focus for the week is just, yeah, the creative applications and things like that. It it is really hard when experience is the reason people cite for not hiring you. And in those situations, I'm like, well, 
it just wasn't the right role anyway. Sometimes companies, I just want to like give Lauren some reassurance that sometimes companies say that they want someone with like one to two years experience, but then the work that of level of work they're looking for is someone who has more like four to five years experience. So what yeah. they mean is they want someone with four to five years experience who they can only pay a minimum like starter salary. And so you shouldn't feel bad about not getting a job for those sorts of situations because it often turns out that they're not the best places to work anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think in most cases where I've received a no or it didn't work out, I kind of, you know, you're obviously a bit upset and bummed out totally. at, at first, but then I think you sort of quickly realize like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't actually the right role for me or, oh, well, maybe they were right and I didn't quite have as much in experience in this thing or whatever. Or, you know, I think it all sort of works out for the better. And I know that it might be hard to, to see that right now when you're in the middle of it. Totally. Uh, but I think, yeah, m- most of the time it's actually a good thing maybe that it, that it didn't work out because you're, you're probably going to find something better that's more suited for you eventually. It might just take a little bit more time. I just want to encourage Lauren as well to not, not let this discouragement and disappointment get to her and cause desperation in a way where you do end up just applying for everything and like just got to send out as many applications as I can rather than taking the time to send out a few really good ones I I think that would be very tempting in this situation because you know you're getting these no's and so like you think oh quality I mean quantity if I submit as much of them as I can then surely one of them will be yes I'm going to increase my chances but I think you actually decrease your chances that way because you're putting less effort into each one. So stick with it, Lauren. We know you're great, and I'm sure you'll get something good soon. Yes, you can do it, girl. Well, any last words of advice you want to end on? I think this has been a good long episode, but we've covered a lot. Uh, and like we said, the next episode will be about interviewing. So I don't know, any last last thoughts about applications, Fem? Uh, I don't think I have any last thoughts on applications or advice, but I will take this opportunity to say that all of the the stories and the advice that we've shared from listeners today are from community members. Mm. And so if you would like to participate in these discussions, I think being a part of the community is a great opportunity to, you know, you've got sort of more one-on-one uh, communication and access with Charlie and I. You can talk to other community members and help each other out. And we're having amazing discussions in there, discussions like like the things that we've been sharing today and reading out to you. So if you want to be a part of that, then you can head to designlife.fm slash community and you can register there. Sounds good. We'd love to have you there. You can also follow us on Twitter where we usually ask for questions, but I forgot this time. So my bad. Um, <laughs> and that Twitter handle is at designlife.fm. We like to hear your thoughts on the topics as well. So if you've got any extra advice to share, then please tweet it to us and we can retweet it for our followers and spread the knowledge. Cool. Have a good time in the States, Charlie. Thanks. And continue enjoying your new job. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.